They're talking, but we've got a lot to cover, so we're going to try to get rolling here. So this morning, I don't have a PowerPoint or anything, but we are going to be in John chapter 9. Um, be, it's the story of the man who was born blind, who was healed, and it's one of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible. So um, let me pray for us, and then we will get started. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you once again for your word. We thank you for um, just how you reveal yourself in your word, um, who we see you to be, and uh, we are blessed by that. We just ask that as we come to your word this morning, that you would uh, reveal your truth to our hearts, that our hearts would be open to hear and to learn and to grow and become more like you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you for this family. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, as I said, it's one of my favorites. There's, there's just a, there's a lot here. Um, we are not going to get all the way through chapter 9. We're going to get pretty close, and then um, the next time I'm teaching, we'll, we'll uh, finish it up, but also kind of cover another, another, some verses in another part of the, the new, uh, part of the Gospels. So, um, I just, I, I love, I love this guy. There's just so much about this man that I, I really appreciate. I love his faith. I love his questions and responses. Um, he's sharp, and he has great confidence in Jesus once he's healed. So um, let me go ahead and read. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. We, sorry, John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he would be born blind. Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be, be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? He answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and, and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. Um, so this whole thing starts with a question, which is what we're studying here, questions in the Gospels. They've come across this blind man. Somehow they know he's been blind from birth, and his his uh, disciples asked this question, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? What do you observe from this question? Okay. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, there's also the aspect of like they kind of presume that uh, the sins of the fathers 
Yeah, uh, it, it's exactly what Charlie talked about last week, right? It, it's very much the same thing. Um, they make an assumption. They don't ask, you know, um, was this a result of someone else's sin or was it some other reason? They just assume that someone sinned. So what does this tell us about the culture? Okay, it, it, it's pretty much what everybody thought. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much a question of, was this sin? It was just, whose sin was it, right? They're not asking, was it possibly somebody's sin? No, they're assuming it was somebody here has sinned. Um, if that's really the case, if that's really what this culture looked like, what would life have been like for this man? We don't know how old he is, but I'm guessing he's a minimum of 20 because it seems like he's out of the house and he's maybe more like 30. Porter? Yeah, he's over 30 because his parents later said he's of age. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what the, what the of age means, but clearly he's an adult. At the very least, he's, he's an adult. So he's, he's been in this condition a long time. It's not like he's just a kid and this is something he's dealt with a little bit. So... So just think about life. Say he's 30 years old. What's, what's that like? The whole, your whole life. Yes, ma'am. Uh, no prospects, no job, no way to make a living, uh, no friends. Yeah. Everybody getting far away from him in the hospital. No comfort. And maybe even, and I'm, I'm really stretching here, <laughs> maybe even resentment against God because you did this to me. Possibly. Possibly. Right, right, right. Life is not peachy keen. I mean, it, it's not just lots of fun. Porter? Right, can't go in the temple. Absolutely not, because he's not, he, he's not whole, so to speak. Um, so if, if you're this guy and he's, he's, you know, he doesn't have a job, um, it says later on in the passage that you know, he was a beggar, which is pretty much what you're relegated to. Um, what you do have is a lot of time to think. So you're pretty sure you, you didn't do anything to cause this, even though others are saying you probably did. Um, so now, if, if, you, if you really don't think you did anything, then you're kind of left with what? What other options did the, did the disciples give? If it's not him, it's his parents, right? So now he's questioning, maybe even blaming his parents. Apparently they must have done something wrong because that's the only other option, apparently. That's, that's what everybody's saying. And then you think about, okay, with his relationship with his parents. What was that relationship have been like growing up? What if you assumed your child's handicap was because of something you did or because of something they did? How might that play out? Guilt, Guilt. yeah. And, and this is not an easy society for somebody to be in this situation. Again, we're, we're, we acknowledge that they're not just like, well, you know, these things just happen. And so we need to have compassion and, and those kind of things. We, um, the last two years that Ollie's been playing football, we have played Texas School for the Deaf, 
which is an interesting um, experience. But, but uh, last year we actually went up to their school in Austin and it is dripping with state money. It's a very beautiful campus, beautiful buildings, beautiful everything. That's not what this was. A blind person in Israel was not, you know, we've got state-funded stuff to help you. No, you're an outcast. You're a sinner. You did something wrong. We don't know what it was. You or your parents did something wrong. So society, that's how society views this guy. He's the kid who was born blind, either because he or his parents sinned, maybe both. If being blind wasn't enough to alienate him, because that's kind of a big deal, um, these other things would have been. Um, how many people would have encouraged their kids to play with the blind sinner kid? Not a lot. Um, so, so this is the condition we find him in, I believe. Um, in this question from the disciples, the, the good news is they say rabbi. They know who to address the question to. They know where to take the question. So that's, that's good news. And also the question, I think, makes us think that they're trying to understand. They're trying to shift their paradigm. They're trying to see things in a different way because they've been walking with Jesus and he keeps making them see things in different ways. So, so that's a good thing. They are, they are coming to him um, and, and they're asking him. It says the disciples, and not just one, ask the questions, ask the question, which kind of suggests to me that they may have been discussing it among themselves, right? They're kind of talking about it, and, um, and then they come to Jesus with the question. If that's true, how were they treating this man who was born blind? Kind of like everybody else. Kind of like, kind of like he's this... Um, Kind of like this specimen in a bottle. Not like a human being, more like a science project we're talking about, right? Um, not like someone created in God's image. As someone who was lesser, less value, less importance, less significance, he's just some blind dude, right? So once again, they were products of their, their society, their culture. Their culture said if something like this happens, it was because somebody sinned. Uh, so now they have a label, sinner. Here's this, here's this guy, he's, he's blind, clearly he must be a sinner. What's dangerous about labels? They don't always reflect the person accurately. They don't reflect... Do they ever really? I mean, can I, can I encapsulate, can you encapsulate me with a label? No, you can, you can get a little sliver, right? I yeah, there you go. Everything you need to know. Yeah, right. And you don't need to know anything more about me, right? That's, you covered it right there, right? Um, there are those in our society who we we're putting a lot of labels on people. We as believers need to be resisting labels. We need to be careful with labels. And it, it's, easy to, it's easy to use labels. Labels are easy. Um, what, what do labels do? They demean you. They lower you in the eyes of the 
Okay. What else? Can I just name something? Give me authority over it. Yeah. So if somebody names me something, yeah. in some way that gives an implied authority that they have named something. Right, right. Creates division. Yep, D creates division. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Right. Uh, you think about you think about kids in school. Kids in school use labels all the time. Oh, that's the dumb kid. That's the smart kid. You know, um, even the smart kid can get feel like okay. Well, now I always have to be the smart kid. You know, um, the dumb kid goes well. I'm just dumb, and I guess that's it. You know. We put labels on things and, and on people, and it's just, that's not, not what we're supposed to do. That's not what Christ did, so that's not what we should be doing. You know, Jeff, this is sort of a greater question of how we treat everybody we encounter. Mm -hmm. and every person is of infinite worth. That's what we got to think about. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So when I see somebody, when, and, and you know, first impressions, we talk about first impressions, they're important. Well, yeah, they are, but as believers, we should not be allowing a first impression to be our only impression, right? We got to be careful with that. Um, labels isolate people. They make it easier for us to discount people, to treat them as less than, and I think the disciples were doing that with this man. Uh, we could make a list of some of the labels we put on people, but I don't think that's really helpful. Uh, I think it'd be more hurtful than helpful, perhaps. Um, remember that Christians first got the label Christians as a derogatory term. You know, like, oh yeah, you're a little Christ, you know. And of course we went, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, I like that. Um, but that wasn't their intention. Um, so labels are dangerous. We need to be careful how and when we use them. Um, let's see. What words might Jesus use to describe someone like this? Yeah, Jeff, I would say you would see you're still a sinner. For all have sinned fall short of the glory of God. Yep. Right? So mm -hmm. and, and all of our sins was put on Christ. Right. Right. Or is your sin more obvious than mine? Right. But, but we're still all sinners. So we are still sinners. The interesting thing is, think, think through the Gospels and how often did Jesus call people sinner? You know, the people who were seeking, he was, it's not that he's not saying they're sinners. He's not saying, no, you're not a sinner. But he wasn't quick to say, I'm going to jump on somebody who... That he would he would those and we're going to get to spiritual blindness. I'm looking forward to that, but we're we might have to wait a little while because I'm not sure we're going to actually actually really get there this week. Yes. Uh huh. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think that the, the term, if Jesus were going to label him, he would call him one of the least of these. And if Jesus is going to call him one of the least of these, what does he call us 
to do for the least of these. To love him like we love Jesus, really, is what it comes down to. Whatever we would do for Jesus, if he was standing here, that's what we should do for the least of these. Okay, verse 3, moving right along. Um, Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. What must it have been like for this man to hear those words from Jesus? Huge relief. Amazing. Joy. It was against their tradition. He's been told for 30 years, whatever it is, it was you or your parents, it was one of you, and it was your fault. And Jesus says no. No. That's false. That's a lie. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. It must have been like cold water to a man dying of thirst. I just, I just think that he had to like fireworks going off in his head. Just like, you know how long I've wanted to hear that? I didn't, I thought it had to be true. But it's so easy for everybody to just label me. This was a total paradigm shift. I've wanted to believe this forever, but society has told me that's not true. Told me something completely opposite. It's not my sin. It wasn't my parents' sin. I don't have to be angry with them or blame them. I don't have to be angry with myself or question myself. Did I do something at some point? And then, what's more, on top of all that, there may actually be purpose in it. I've been living with this for 30 years, whatever it is. God may not have forgotten about me. I may be actually, I may actually be included in his plan. That's crazy. I didn't screw me up. My parents didn't screw me up. And God didn't mess up when he made me. He actually has a plan that I fit into. Me, the blind man. The guy no one considers to have any value. That guy. I actually have purpose. I'm part of God's plan. No way. Jesus knew what this man needed to hear. And he's more than willing to say the words that this man is hungry for. They're words of truth, and this man was dying to hear the truth. Jesus goes on, verse 4, we, work, uh, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus acknowledges that he and his disciples have work to do while he is on the earth. It is whatever the Father has for them to do. Whatever the Father is pointing them to do, that's what they're doing. Yeah. So not only to have that moment um, where he is healed, but for Jesus' um, works to be 
being displayed. I mean, after yeah. that moment, everything came to that point. Yeah. He never, he didn't just see me as this part of right. a plane. Right. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have such an interesting view on time that is so different from what God has. Um, I, I've said ever since my mom passed away, which has been almost 19 years ago, I think, he has a different view of death than we do, partly because he has a different view of time than we do. We see time as this, you know, this tension and this stuff, and he's like, time is no big deal. Of course, he's outside of it, so that, that, that helps. Um, but he's certainly not limited by it. Um, and so for this guy to, let's say he's 30 years old, let's say he's 40 years old, 50 years old, whatever it is, I think about Moses herding sheep of his, of his father-in-law from 40 to 80 years old. He thinks he's done. God's done with me, clearly, right? He turns 80, and now i got another 40 years of you hurting these people, you know, shepherding people and, and, and doing this. Our, our concept of time and, and, you know, when is God finally going to use me? Or has God already used me and he's done? I, I don't know, it's up to God. Yeah, Porter? Right. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah, there's any number of reasons why God says, no, you've got to wait. Um, and, and it may just be that I'm, he's never not doing something in us, with us. There's never, we never, there's never a time when we don't have an opportunity to learn, to grow, to know him, love him more, those kind of things. So, so he may not be doing great and glorious things with us at any moment. Um, and he may never do great and glorious things with us at any moment. But he is looking for us to be faithful um, in each moment. And what he chooses to do, he's the potter, we're the clay. We go, okay, if you need me to be blind for 30 years so that you can do something amazing, then, of course, what's this guy's perspective? To have been blind for 30 years and then suddenly see. I'm getting ahead of myself. So... Um, uh, let me, let me uh, keep us here in verse 4 for a minute. Um, so Jesus acknowledged that he and his disciples have work to do while he's on earth. It's whatever the Father has from the do, to, for them to do. Um, there's this statement here about night is coming when no one can work. I didn't do a lot of study on that. I don't know if somebody has some great insight to it, but it seems what, the few things that I read was that refers to his death and resurrection, that you know during that time you can imagine there's darkness, there's not a lot going on. Um, but while he is in the world, he is in the light of the world, and he is in us, and we are the light of the world as we live out him. Well, you can't very well work in the dark. And I right. The darkest moment on this planet was when he was on the cross. Right, right. So that's, the, that's all I'm saying about that, unless somebody wants to jump in and say something more, but I think that... Okay. Um, Jesus was the light of the world while he was physically on earth, and he is now. Um, and I think this statement uh, that he's making is, is, um, gives us a hint, gives a hint to, to those who are listening and also to this man what he's about to do. He's about to bring light to this man. So verse 6, 
When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. How many times, anybody know how many times the Gospels record Jesus healing a blind person? I think they're all men, actually, but three for sure. And, and the, the Gospels, you know, have some of the, they appear to have the same story, so it's at least three. It could be more than that. It's hard to say it for sure. Um, does he always do it the same way? Why not? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think the way I the way I would state that is, he's not into formulas. We like formulas. We like the if then. If I do this, then this, I get this result, right? Um, if uh, if we could say every time Jesus healed a blind person, he did this. This is exactly what he did. What would we do? We would try to do the exact same thing, right? He, you know, he, he did it this way, so um, if, if he can do it, then, then I can do it the same way. I just got to have to follow all the right steps. If it doesn't work, I just need to perform, perfect my technique. I need to increase my faith, um, whatever, right? Clearly, there's something I didn't do correctly, so I just have to work on that. What's missing there? Faith? Right. God's sovereignty, if he wants to do it, he will. If he doesn't, he wants to do it for his purposes. Yeah. Yeah, what's missing is Jesus. What, what's missing is, is, is this my decision? Right? Um, we, we all think it'd be really cool to move a mountain. I mean, Jesus says if you, you can move a mountain if you've got, got enough faith. Well, Where's, there's a tension there. There should be, because why do I want to move the mountain? <laughs> For my convenience, perhaps. Because people would pat me on the back if I moved a mountain. I mean, that'd be kind of cool, right? What if moving a mountain doesn't fit into God's plan? It's not going to move. If I'm focused on Christ and what he wants, and he wants the mountain moved, he'll move it, and I probably won't ever see it happen. He may have used me to do it, but if my focus is on I want to be used, I've got the wrong focus. If I want to focus on Christ, if I'm going to focus on him, if he is going to be where, my, where I'm laser focused, then yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Making it, spinning in it, right. putting germs in it, and molding it to put on this guy's eye. I mean, that would probably be crazy. Right. Yet it's working right. because he's God in the flesh. Well, yeah, again, what did, he, what did Jesus need to do to heal this guy? Just say the words, think the words, whatever, right? Um, when he healed the other two guys, um, there was, what was he? I've I got to go back and look at my notes. Um, in Luke 18, 
He just said the words. Um, in Matthew chapter 9, he touched the guy. Um, in this case, he makes clay, says, go wash it off. Um, Right. He just said, go be obedient. Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing this, you know. Right. And, and he may have heard some, you know, I'm the light of the world. Well, that, that maybe has some promise, but, but there's no guarantee that what I'm going to do is, is going to heal me. Um, so why do you think Jesus chose to spit on the ground and make clay? Huh? Why did he choose to send him to go wash in Siloam? How far was it to Siloam? We don't know, because we don't know where he was. We know that, you know, we can look at the chapter before, and we know kind of where things were going, but then he just, he walked away because they were going to, they were picking up stones to throw at him, so he hid himself and went out of the temple. That's all we know. So was he right outside the temple? I don't know. Um, Right. And, and, and then walk. Right. And what really healed the guy was obeying the Lord. Right. And doing what he said yep. and having faith that in doing so, he will heal his sight. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and have to be careful with when, it, when I ask these questions because um, sometimes I get focused on a certain thing, but rarely is God doing one thing. Rarely is he doing one thing. Um, we don't know how far he was from Siloam, and we don't know for sure, but, yeah, Gwen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, and we tend to, we, again, going back to our formulas, we tend to find something that worked, and well, I'm just going to repeat that. Or what we find is there was another church that did this, and that worked for them, therefore we're going to do the same thing. We are missing, totally missing, our God, if we do that, because he is not a formula God. Um, I think the reason that he makes clay, and I think the reason he sends the guy to Siloam is because it's the Sabbath. And you're not supposed to, according to the laws they've made up, you're not supposed to travel more than this many steps, and you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to make clay, you're not supposed to knead clay on the Sabbath. And so later they say, the, the, we're probably not going to get there. I thought we were. Um, but they say, you know, this man is, n is breaking the Sabbath by healing this guy. Go ahead. Right. Yep. From the dust to the ground, God made man. So, yeah, there's, there's something there probably too. Um, I don't know exactly what that is. But, but there's a lot, you know, it, it, 
again, he could have just said the word, he could have touched the guy, he could have done a lot of things, but he, he did it this way. Um, uh, let's see. What was Jesus trying to do? I think what Jesus was trying to do was reveal hearts. So he's doing these things on the Sabbath. Um, he's trying to reveal their spiritual blindness. They're trying, he's trying to show them something. We're not going to get to that today, but we are going to talk about it. Um, John doesn't provide a lot of pomp and circumstance in regards to the healing part of the story. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Okay, cool. <laughs> kind of like no big deal. Which, for Jesus, healing was no big deal. Um, dude has some clay on his eyes. He walks away to this pool, wherever that is, washes the clay off. Now he can see and he walks back. Do we realize how big of a deal that is? I've said it before, but I don't think you can say it enough. Just a second, Porter. Um, when Jesus healed, it was complete. Here's a man who has never seen before in his life. We've got an eye doctor in this room. Do you, do you think that's significant? Yeah, that's a big deal. You know, you, you can't get like a knee surgery or, you know, something without having to have physical therapy to kind of learn how to walk again. You've been walking for how many years? This guy's never seen before, and boom, like that. He's seeing, and he's functioning. He's able to do, it, it, it is beyond miraculous. We can't begin to understand how miraculous it is that this man now can see, and he is fully functioning with that sight. Porter, did you That's very possible, yeah. Yep. Good point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why does that guy get mud on his eyes? You know, what's, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, John doesn't give us a lot of, you know, he, he doesn't spend a lot of time on it. It's like, he went away, came back, now he can see. Pretty amazing. Um... He was healed, and his life was changed, and he knew it. He recognized, this is different. Um, so then he comes back, and no one really believes it's him, right? So verse 8, uh, starting there, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously, previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, he's like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? He answered, the man who's called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Jesus gave him sight. He didn't give him um, supernatural ability to know where, where others were. Um, but he didn't know where Jesus was, but clearly... Uh, from the rest of the story, he was excited to find out who Jesus was, to know more about Jesus. Um, yeah, 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 
you're right, he didn't. But, but I, yeah, and, and, and later Jesus is going to come to him. He's like, who is he? I'd, I'd like to know him. And he's like, I'm, I'm, that's me, right? It's an excellent point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, here's this man who's probably been sitting in pretty much the same place for a number of years um, outside the temple. So it may have been that he was outside the temple. We don't know exactly. But, uh, yeah, here he is, and um, nobody, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. What's that? It would be impossible. So even now, when God does something, people have to explain it away. Mm-hmm. You know, like Tim talks about creation. Well, it can't be that. Right. God didn't create. Right. It has to be something, something else. That we can come up with. Yeah. Yeah. We have to be able to find out, figure out an answer for it. Yeah, Jim or Jack? So he had to close his eyes to have the mud come out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and the interesting thing about this guy, too, is um, I was talking to some guys on Friday morning about this, telling them I was excited to teach because I love this story. Um, and one of them was like, yeah, and he had, a, you know, his faith. I was like, no, there's no, there's no talk about his faith other than the walk, you know. He, he didn't say... He didn't cry out to Jesus, Jesus save me, I believe you can save me. He, he had to, like, like I said, he, he had to go, he had to walk, but it wasn't that he was, you know, going, I, I, this is the guy, I know he is. You know, he, he had, I have a hard time believing he had no knowledge of him with all that was probably going on at that time, but, but he certainly wasn't involved in conversations about him, unless it's just he and the other beggars that are there. Um, he just obeyed. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yeah. For us, too. Yeah. That doesn't apply to us, does it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Just obeyed. Just do what you're told. Just, yeah. Yeah, okay. I couldn't tell if that was a question or a comment or. Um, let's see. Uh, so he understood the significance of what had happened to him, and he knew he wanted to be close to Jesus. Uh, for, for, the, for their part, most people were skeptical, and I can relate. Would, would any of us be skeptical if somebody just said, hey, I just was blind five minutes ago, and now I can see? Probably. Um, so then verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who, had been fo- who was formerly blind, why would they bring him to the Pharisees? What's the point of that? So that a miracle had taken place. Okay. Good question. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I mean, it doesn't say who they are. Yeah, exactly. Why? You're asking my questions. <laughs> right. They're, they're supposed to have answers, right? So I think it depends on your motivation, why you're bringing this man to the Pharisees. Um, yeah? I think it also, you pointed out at the beginning, the disciples had rabbis. Right. 
Yeah, their, their authority. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. I, I think that you would take him, you know, if, if you're pro-Jesus, you're taking him going, look, look what he did. Don't you see it? Because these are the guys that are, that are saying they, they don't like him, they want to kill him, or, you know, whatever the point is at this point that they're... Um, the interesting thing about the book of John is when you look at the book of John, like the first half is like three years. The second half is like the last two or three weeks or something. It, it's an interesting book. Um, so we're probably well through his ministry by chapter 9. Um, so they're, they're probably, there's the, the hostility has built, and so people know that the Pharisees are not happy with Jesus. They want to get rid of him, those kind of things. Um, so if you're pro-Jesus, you're saying, hey, look at this. How can you say he's not something significant? How can you say that he's not what he claims to be? Uh, how can you deny his power? How can you possibly say he has a demon? How can you justify your criticism of him? On the other hand, if you're on the other side of the equation, um, if you're anti-Jesus, you want the Pharisees to discredit the miracle. You want them to come up with a way to show that um, you know, this didn't really happen. Um, you're not really sure how they're going to do it, but, but you're bringing it to them because these are the smart guys and uh, show me how this guy isn't what he says he is. Uh, reading between the lines, which is something I like to do, <laughs> I think the Pharisees were looking to gather evidence. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. So there may have been some of their kind of cohort, you know, they're in the midst of that. They were afraid to take Jesus right. and him. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got an extra hour last night, but I didn't get it now. We are out of time. Um, so I'm going to just give us a couple of um, uh, application questions, and then we'll, we'll finish up. Um, how do you respond to the despised and rejected in our society? These are questions that I need to ask. So, so if you feel convicted, trust me, I feel convicted. Um, do you run toward or away from, or do you just ignore them? Do you tend to see people as valuable based on what you can get from them, how they can help you get what you want, or do you see them as valuable because they're made in the image of God, and regardless of their position in society, their nationality, skin color, lineage, whatever, they're every bit as valuable as you? Do you believe God punishes children for the sins of their fathers? I wasn't really, when I started thinking about this, I, I was actually kind of wanting to do another passage, but I felt this one needed to be picked, talked about first. And so I wasn't really intending to do this right after Charlie had talked about the exact same thing last week, but here we are. So um, anyway, uh, the last one applies more after we get through the rest of it, so we'll deal with that next time. Thank you, everyone, for listening and participating and all those things. And Porter, would you pray for us?